Amen. So if you have your Bible, once you turn with me, uh, let me let me encourage you to just turn a couple of places. Uh, you could turn. Well, let's see about five places. No, just um, just Revelation chapter 19 and um, and Matthew chapter one. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter one first. We're in our series called Jesus is. We started this series last week. And we're going to continue for a while, maybe all the way up to Easter. So um, how many of you believe that uh, that God could speak to your heart today? Do you believe that? I'm trusting that God will speak, speak this morning as we look at his word. Father, I pray God place your hand of anointing upon me to teach and preach your word. God, I pray that you would uh, that you would just cause this atmosphere to be supernaturally protected from the adversary trying to steal the seed of the word of God. We bind him up and we declare that the seed of the word of God is going out without any opposition today. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Our theme verse for this series we said was 1 Corinthians chapter 2 in verse 1 and 2. It says, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy, I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is, and then Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. But Paul's message was, was plain and simple. Who Jesus is and what Jesus did. And this series, the whole purpose of this series, is we're going to explore the personality and the character traits of Jesus. And the goal is hopefully, as we get to know him better, we'll love him more. And we want to serve him more. Amen. And so uh, as we learned last week, many people have a skewed view of who Jesus is. They don't they have a, a skewed idea. You know, most people's idea of Jesus is is some religious, you know, uh, you know, some religious figure. They've they've learned it from religious tradition or human philosophy or, you know, what grandma used to say about Jesus, that he was a mean, mean Jesus. And that uh, some of us just receive false teaching and uh, but not on scripture, truth or God's word. You know, I say that about my about grandma's because my grandma, whenever he would thunder and lightning, she'd say, see that God's mad. Y'all better behave, you know. And so we're like, oh, you know, man, we better straighten up. And uh, but but how many of you know that many people, as we showed that video last week, many people have a skewed idea of who Jesus is. Some people think that Jesus is just a religious figure. Some people just think he's a moral person, a good teacher. You know, some people think that he was a social reformer, you know, different things like that. And the problem with having a skewed view of Jesus is this. It causes you to have an unhealthy relationship with Jesus if your vision of Jesus is skewed. But the other thing is this, is that it limits your ability to receive from Jesus. You know, like, let me give you an example. And I'm not take, I'm not poking at anybody. I'm not making fun of anybody because this was me. But, you know, some people refer to Jesus as baby Jesus. You know, I'm going to talk to baby Jesus. Or, you know, oh, help me, baby Jesus. You know, whenever I hear that, you know, I just think, you know what? That view of Jesus is very limited. Although Jesus came in a manger, that's true. But he grew up. Right. And so some people's vision of Jesus is that he's just this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. 
which is true of Jesus. But that's not where the story ended up. We got to read the rest of the story. Amen. We we have uh, sometimes reduced Jesus to a baby in a manger when he's way more than just a baby in a manger. Amen. Consider this picture of Jesus. A little snapshot. Revelation 19 verse 11. And I saw heaven open and behold, a white horse and he who sat on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. He's clothed with a robe dipped in blood. His name is called the word of God. And the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword so that with it he may strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Come on, y'all hearing me this morning? Jesus is no longer baby in a manger. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. You know, Peter had a healthy view of Jesus and Matthew 16 and 15, he asked them, he said, Jesus said, who do, who do you say that I am? At talking to his disciples and Simon Peter piped up and answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Peter saw Jesus as more than a religious reformer. Peter saw Jesus as the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then in the next verse, Jesus says to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. How many of you know blessings come to those who have a healthy understanding of who Jesus is? How many of you know it's all about Jesus? Amen. It's Jesus and Jesus only. Now, last week we, we, uh, we established the fact that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Today we're going to focus on the fact that Jesus is Savior. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21 says, The angel speaking said, She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so, he will save his people from their sins. The angel established the mandate on Jesus' life that he is Savior. First John chapter four and verse 14. John said, furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. Now, the word savior in the original language is a comprehensive word and its meaning has multiple applications. It's not just a one application type word. And today we're going to explore three of those different meanings so we can understand Jesus better. First of all, Jesus is rescuer. How many of you know that? One of the definitions of Savior is rescuer. He is a deliverer. How many of you know Jesus is a deliverer? One of the definitions of Savior is he's the deliverer. And he's a preserver. One of the names of, one of the definitions of Savior is he's a preserver. So we're going to look at these three names in the original language. First of all, Jesus rescues. Jesus rescues us from the consequences of sin. Now listen, uh, to really appreciate Jesus as the rescuer, as the savior, we have to understand the consequences of sin. 
And so, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, to be seeker sensitive and not to scare off people, we don't want to talk about sin in church. But we have to throw out the Bible if we quit talking about sin. Right. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, understanding Jesus as the Savior is kind of like a parachute. Having a parachute, you don't really appreciate it until you convince your plane's going down. And then all of a sudden, a parachute means a lot to you. You know, people say, oh, he's a savior. That don't that don't mean much to me. Well, until you know your plane's going down, you're not going to appreciate Jesus as the savior. Amen. But let me give you three truths concerning sin. The first truth is this. We all have the same problem. And it's the problem of sin. We all have the same problem. And it's the problem of sin. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, you know, well, I'm really not a bad person. I have a good heart. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Well, according to the Bible, you know, what they're really saying is, I don't really need a parachute. I'm a good person. But according to the Bible, there is no one good. In Romans 3.10, it says, as it is written, there is none. There's no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have Together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Say, man, that's not going to help my self-esteem this morning. Yeah, it will eventually. But how many of you know that's true? In our flesh dwells no good thing. Have you come to that realization yet? Hello? Now listen, if we compare ourselves with other people, we'll seem good. Listen, I can always find a heathen worse than me and say, well, compare to that heathen. I'm a righteous dude, man. Amen. But when we compare ourselves with God's standard, how many of you know we'll always fall short? We'll always. Romans 3.23 says everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. How many of you know God's got a standard that none of us can meet? We all going to come short. Amen. Did you ever hear that story of the shepherd boy and he was shepherding the sheep and he was examining the sheep? He was just for for some reason this day, he was just admiring how white the wool of the sheep were like, man, that's amazing how white God has made. We don't dye these sheep, but how white their wool is. Then it started snowing. A snowstorm hit and the ground got covered with snow. And as the ground got covered with pure white snow. In the contrast to the to the sheep, he noticed that the sheep were not nearly as white as he thought. The sheep had blemishes. The the sheep's wool was tarnished and tainted. And he thought, my, they're not nearly as, as white as I thought they were. And you see, sometimes we walk around in self-righteousness and think we're white as snow. Until we compare ourselves with the standard of God and we find out we're not nearly as good or as, as righteous as we thought we were. Amen. Come on. I need a better, I need a better amen right there. Amen. Listen, we can all seem pretty self-righteous or pretty righteous when we compare ourselves with others. But when we compare ourselves with God, how many of you know we all are wanting? Amen. So here's the point. We all have the same problem. And the problem is sin. Amen. The second truth concerning sin is this. 
We all experience the negative consequences of sin. Galatians 6 and 7 says, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please the sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. You can't, you can't undo God's laws of sowing and reaping. Whenever we sow to a sinful life, we're going to reap from the sinful life. There are grave consequences of living in sin. You know, one of those consequences is the fact that sin separates us from God. You know, I remember before I became a Christian, I would pray, but it seemed like, man, God was so far away. He was somewhere in the galaxies. Come on, you ever been there? I just felt like God was so distant. And the reason I felt that way is because of Isaiah 59, 2 that says, it's your sins that cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. How many of you know sin separates you, distance you from God? You know, another consequence of sin is it kills you emotionally as well as physically. James 1, 5 in the message says, lust gets pregnant, has a baby. Sin, sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. How many of you know sin kills? Sin kills. It kills you physically. It kills you emotionally. It kills you spiritually. It's like drinking poison. Sin kills. You know, uh, yesterday, Pastor Kelly and I went to Lafayette Parish Correctional Center and got a chance to baptize, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 men. A bunch of men. And uh, and at the end of the baptism, there was a young lady, actually one of the deputies, that uh, wanted to talk to us after it was over. And um, she recognized God's presence. She recognized God in the midst of this thing, this baptism going on. And so uh, we, began, we began to minister to her and, and told her about salvation. And she actually... Prayed with us yesterday to receive Christ. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and she said, after we prayed with her, she said, you know, my heart had been real heavy, but my heart feels light now. Amen. My heart was real heavy, but my heart feels she hadn't learned Christianese yet. But she knew something had happened to her. How many of you know sin is like a big old weight on people's lives? And whenever you get free from it, emotionally you get set free. Spiritually you get set free. And even your body can do better. Amen? And then finally, most importantly, sin cost you God's wrath and judgment. The Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. How many of you know we'll all have to face the judgment of God. Every one of us, the Bible says, we're all going to die. We all have an appointment that we're going to have to make with death. We're all going to die. And after we die, we face judgment. Listen to this verse, Romans 14, 12. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. How many of you know that God's going to judge every word, action, and deed that we have did throughout our life? Ecclesiastes eleven nine. listen to this. It says, young man... It's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But remember, 
But you must give an account for God for everything you do. How many of you know there's an accounting that's coming? Amen. We'll all have to give an account for God for everything that we've done in our lifetime. And if we're not right with God, we're going to face God's wrath or his judgment. Amen. What I'm trying to say is your plane's going down. You need a parachute. Amen. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. The third truth concerning sin is we can be rescued from the wrath and the judgment of God. That's the gospel right there. Amen. Jesus came to spare us from the penalty and the payment of our sins. Romans 3.24 says, Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. How many of you know we all of us deserve to be separated from God? That's the penalty we should face. To be separated from God for all eternity. But verse 25 and 26 says, For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and he did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just and declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Amen. How many of you know Jesus died on the cross to rescue us from God's wrath and God's judgment? That is the gospel. And that's the best news you can ever hear on this side of eternity right there. Amen. God has provided a parachute for us. So when our life's plane goes down, we'll be able to get out of the damage done. Amen. Acts 4.12 says there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven. By which we must be saved. His name is Jesus. Here's the great news. Jesus rescues us from the consequences of sin. Isn't that great news, brothers and sisters? Let me ask you a question. How many of you think you might have sinned at least once in your lifetime? Amen. How many of you feel like you need a parachute? Isn't it good news that he rescues us from the penalty of sin? Yes, it is. Amen. Now, why would we not teach that in church? Why would we not get a, give people a chance to hear this great news? Jesus rescues us from the consequences of sin, number one. But Jesus also delivers us from the power of sin. Jesus delivers us from the power of sin. Second, or not Second Timothy, but Titus 2. Titus 2 verse 14 says this. He gave his life to free us. From every kind of sin. And to cleanse us. And to make us his very own people. Totally committed to doing good deeds. Jesus. Came and gave his life. To free us from every kind of sin. Matthew Henry said. Christ came to save his people. Not in their sins. But from their sins. To purchase for them, not a liberty to sin, but a liberty from sin. Amen? I remember whenever I was lost, thinking, you know what? I need to start going to church on a regular basis and serving God. There was only one problem. I couldn't quit sinning. I couldn't get my life right. So as soon as I quit doing drugs, and I quit living this 
heathenistic, lost sinful life. I'm going to start going to church. And I waited and I waited and I waited. But I could never get to the place where I felt like, you know, the wrath of God might not strike the church building whenever I entered it. Come on. Have y'all been there? Have you ever tried to clean up your life yourself? I could never. The problem was I could never stop sinning. Amen. Listen, Romans chapter 7 and verse 18, Paul said, And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, and I'm not really the one doing wrong, it is sin living in me that does it. Can anybody relate to that? Can anybody relate to Paul's dilemma? I want to do right, but I don't. I want to do good, but I struggle. I think all of us can connect with that, relate to that. I don't want to be angry, but I get angry. I don't want to have a bad attitude, but I have a bad attitude. So listen, Christ came to help us. In verse 24, Paul said, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what Paul said? The only way I can get this, this sin problem turned around is through Jesus. How many of you know Christ came to deliver us from the power and the domination of sin? And that might not mean much to you right now, but whenever you become enslaved to sin and you've tried to get free from it, but you can't, all of a sudden, this is good news right here. Amen. And so here, listen, this is the point. If you're dominated by some addiction, you need to know that Jesus delivers. Amen. Listen, if, if you're being controlled by some kind of uh, anger or bitterness, hostility, you need to know that Jesus delivers. Amen. If you're being enslaved by some hurt, habit, or hang up, you need to know that Jesus delivers. How many of you know Jesus delivers us from the power of sin? Listen. There was a time whenever I thought I could never quit doing drugs. I wanted to quit, but I couldn't. I couldn't stop. I tried to stop. I'd go a little while and boom, I'd fall off the wagon again. And I thought, well, you know what? It's your fault, Todd. You started this mess. You should have never started. This is your lot in life, man. You're just going to have to live like this the rest of your life. But then I heard the good news. I heard about the gospel and the power of the gospel. And I found out that I could be delivered from sin that controls me. Saints, I don't know about you. You might be a little bit pious and righteous up in the air. But I'm telling you, this is good news today. Amen. Amen. Listen, there are people in this room that are addicted. Let me kind of put it on your lap a little bit. And if if the world found out what's going on in the dark, you would be embarrassed. You would be ashamed. And I'm here to tell you that you can be delivered from the sin that will hold you in bondage. That's why Jesus came to rescue us, to deliver us from the bondage of sin. Amen. My brother-in-law sitting here, 30 years addicted to alcohol, couldn't stop. For a lot of the years, didn't want to stop. But his life spiraling down. His parents was making plans to bury him. And then he met the Savior. And the Savior delivered him, set him free. Now he's like, I don't know, three, four years sober now. Amen. Amen. That's good news. Amen. 
Listen, we need to tell the world about this. Listen, people are spending thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to get free from addiction. And the gospel is still true saints of God. It hasn't lost its impotence. It hasn't lost its power. It still has the power to deliver us from sin. Amen. Come on. Jesus delivers us from the power of sin. Amen. And Jesus as Savior also means Jesus perseveres, or not perseveres, but preserves us in times of trouble. Have you ever been in trouble? Jesus preserves us when we face life-threatening circumstances. Have you ever felt face life-threatening circumstances? Listen what the psalmist said. The psalmist said in Psalm 18, verse 2, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise and he saved me from my enemies. How many of you know the Lord is the Savior? Psalm 68, 20. Our God is a God who saves. The sovereign Lord rescues us from death. Come on, the stories of how God supernaturally has rescued people from death. You know, I don't see him. I don't know if he's in here, but but we have a uh, a brother here in the church. He went uh, saltwater fishing in the Gulf, and his boat sunk. And uh, he didn't walk on water that day. And he floated all night in the sea, thinking, hmm. There's probably some big old sharks up in here. Amen. And he got rescued. He got rescued. He's still here, right? But how many times, how many of you know sometimes life kind of puts you in a predicament where you just need, you need some help. You need to be rescued from life-threatening circumstances. Psalm 138 and 7 says, Though I am surrounded by trouble, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand and the power of your right hand saves me. I don't know if you know this about Jesus, but Jesus will rescue you. He will preserve you in time of trouble. You can rely on him to be with you and to come to your aid when you're going through difficult times. He doesn't just save us from our sins. He saves us from trouble. Amen. He preserves us when all our enemies are surrounded or surrounding us. Whenever the enemy has, has tried to hem you in to kill you and take you down, the Lord will give you a, He'll give you a, 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 a supernatural rescue. Amen. Jesus preserves us when we go through the storms of life. The disciples got to know Jesus as the Savior. Remember whenever they were in that great storm in, in their life. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 23 says, Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. And suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. And the disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? 
Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves and suddenly all was come. And the disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked that even the winds and the waves obey him. Hey, you might be going through a storm right now, but I want to encourage you that Jesus is the savior. Amen. He's the savior. You might be going through a storm right now. Listen, he has the ability to calm the winds and the waves of storms. You know, you know, the thing about a storm is it can come up all of a sudden. You have no control of it. You just row in your boat in life and everything's going good. One phone call, one incident, one situation. And all of a sudden you're in the storm of your life and then you can't reach bottom. You can't walk on water. You can't just on your own, get yourself out of the storm. You have nobody in the natural that can deliver you and help you out. But Jesus has the ability to meet you right in your storm. Amen. Come on, let me let me just get a witness. How many of you have been in a storm in your life and Jesus has rescued you and delivered you from your storm? Amen. Isn't it great to have Jesus in your boat in life where he where you can know that it doesn't matter what kind of what kind of tornado or what kind of hurricane you go through, he's gonna be your shelter, he's gonna be your refuge, he's gonna be the rock, the anchor of your life that you can hold on to. Man, when you find out who Jesus is? How can you turn your back on him? How can you not love him? How can you not want to serve him? If you don't want to serve him, you don't want to surrender to him. You just really don't understand who Jesus is. But when you understand who Jesus is, my goodness, why would you want to be living in rebellion, hanging out with Satan and his demons when you could be hanging around with Jesus and his angels? Amen. Amen. Come on. He alone is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Can I get a witness today? Can I get a witness today? Come on, stand with me and let's close in prayer. How many of you glad that Jesus is your Savior today? Thank you, Lord. Would you just bow with me for just a second? I want to pray for a few people today. Some of you in this room today, you might need to be rescued from the consequences of sin. You might you might be bearing witness with what I'm saying today. About how even when you want to do right, but something's pulling against you. Making you do the very thing you don't want to do, man, I know what that's like. Don't y'all know what that's like? The Bible talks about. Sin controlling us and enslaving us. And people are ending up on the news because they don't know where they can get relief. They don't know. The Bible says that none of us are going to get out of this world alive. The only way we're going to get out alive is if Jesus comes back and then we're going to have to meet our maker anyway. But what if today, what if today was your last day on planet Earth? You know, being in ministry a few years, I've seen it happen more than one time. Somebody was in the service on Sunday and they were in the funeral home on Monday or Tuesday. We're not guaranteed another day. But what if today was your last? Are you ready? Are you ready to meet your maker? Would you just pray with me, saints of God? If you're here today, Jesus has a parachute for you. Jesus wants to, He wants to rescue you from the consequences of your sin. 
You say, Todd, would you pray for me? I want to make sure that whenever I die and meet my maker, that I'm going to be in good standing with him. And I need prayer for that today. If that's you, with everybody's head bowed and everybody praying, just to respect everybody around them, just lift your hand and say, Todd, would you pray for me? I want to be saved. Now, come on, let's just bow our heart before God, before a holy God, a sovereign God. The Lord loves you. The Lord loves you. He wants to rescue you today. Just from your heart, just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I've sinned against you. I'm sorry, Lord. Lord, would you forgive me? I believe you're the Savior that you died for my sins so I could be forgiven and I could have eternal life. I put my faith in you. I trust you, Lord, to rescue me from my sins. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Now listen, let's pray for some other people here. How about, uh, there might be someone in this room that's needing to get delivered from a sexual addiction. There might be somebody in here who needs to get delivered from some sinful habit. In fact, I'm pretty certain they are. It's not because I'm super discerning. There's a lot of people in here. And Satan's working overtime. Amen? There might be some people in here today who are going through the great storm of their life. And they need to hear that Jesus is going to be with them when they go through the storm of life. Would you just bow your head one more time? You're here today. Come on. Come on. It's good news. The gospel is good news. You can be delivered. Don't want to embarrass you. Don't want to embarrass you. But I want you to know that you can be rescued. I want you to know that Jesus is your Savior. And if you put your faith and your trust in Him, He's going to help you. And He's going to get you through. So if you're going through a storm or you're needing God's rescuing, just raise your hand. And I want to pray across this room. Come on, just lift your hands before the Lord. Everybody else, just keep your heads bowed. Just begin to pray for those that are saying, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. Listen, I need, I need the Lord to rescue me. I need the Lord to deliver me. I need the Lord to help me out of this storm. Father God, I pray right now, Lord, reveal yourself, manifest yourself in every person that's Lord is looking for a breakthrough from the enslavement of sin. And those God that are needing, Father God, Lord, just your help in the storm of life. God, would you be with them? Encourage them, strengthen them today. I pray in the mighty and in the strong name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody that agreed said amen. Amen. Now listen, if the, if we'd have some altar workers here, those of you that need prayer, listen, listen, before you go, listen, before you go, if you're struggling with some kind of addiction or some kind of stronghold, we don't want to embarrass you today, but we want to stand with you. Call the church. we got a pastoral staff here. Contact somebody that you know in church. Somebody that you know that can help you, walk with you, and get through this thing. Amen? 
Because I, I promise you that Jesus has the power to save. Amen. Would you all agree with that, saints? Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great day.